Good morning and welcome to the Fast Life Ministries Faith in the Fast Life podcast. Today we have a special guest, uh, former NFL uh, defensive tackle. Antoine Burton is with us this morning. We're so excited to have you in here and just hear your story, Antoine. It's uh, a real pleasure, an honor for you to be here. I know we, I know your mom really well. Great lady. Um, you know, I, I uh, she, she put me in contact with you, and I can't say enough about her. She's just a light to this world and to this town. She's been an amazing lady. So, super excited to have you here. You know, Denver Broncos played for them. I know you played for some other teams. Um, love to t- hear a little bit about that. Hear where you came from, where you grew up, what that looks like for you. So, uh, a little where I came from. I'm from Buffalo, New York. Okay. Uh, I, I grew up there until I was about 19. Uh, played at Erie Community College uh, in Buffalo, which actually was uh, the first in its existence. Uh, I was a part of their inaugural season. Uh, Erie Community College was literally across the street from the Buffalo Bills Stadium. Uh, I was one of those kids that didn't qualify, you know, coming out of high school. And it just so happened the year I graduated, uh, you know, Erie Community College just popped up. And so I chose that and uh, uh, did that for two years. And then I went on to uh, uh, earned a full Division One scholarship at Temple University in Philadelphia. So Erie had a a basically a walk-on program. First year as a school, and you went there just as college. You went there and played played football for them. No, I was recruited. I was recruited to play football. So I, okay. you know, I was one of those kids. Like a lot of what people may not know, me coming to Pueblo, uh, I, I had this background of I had no idea what to do, how to do it. You know, I come from humble beginnings. It was just me and my mom. I, I didn't go to any camps. I didn't have any training. You know, I got tons of letters from Syracuse, Iowa, Michigan State. But, you know, we, you know, drove public transportation. So, you know, we didn't have the means to kind of go to some of these camps or even understand the process of matriculation to the next level. So, um, it, like I said, it just so happened that uh, Erie Community College, they recruited me and at that time. You know, junior college is not sometimes frowned upon. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really know a lot about it, but uh, that particular coach was, uh, you know, you can go D1, you're a D1 player. And so I said, all right, I'll, I'll, I'll try this. So I love how that works and how's it, how these things always come out. You know, I wasn't sure this morning where this podcast would even go. That's why I said just shoot. Just, just shoot. Yeah. And it's so amazing because it's like, you know, here's a kid, and I know there's. I, I'm hoping there's listeners that are that are listening and can relate to this. You know, the the opportunity wasn't necessarily there for you. So tell tell us a little bit more about your childhood. Like you, you mentioned the fact that you know you guys are taking public transportation. You're not going to get over to Syracuse to go see what it's all about. You know, you really had to find you. And you said you keep saying it's uh, just as you know it happened, right? Just a it's a chance thing, which I love. I know in our world, like there's nothing by chance. You know, it's it's a God thing. So tell us a little bit more about coming up, you know, um, you know, youth football and those things and, and your childhood. Uh, for me, it, it was uh, it, it was so different. And, and honestly, um, we had spoke at my mom's uh, grand opening over at uh, Project Inspire. And um, I, I guess you had previously talked to my mom about my faith. And I, I've always been like a logical thinker. You know, to this day, I'm still logical, but I understand where my faith lies. And a lot of my faith came within my youth because it was like so weird to me that like God was in my life and I knew nothing about him. It's like I knew I knew about him, 
but it wasn't something that I could understand because I was a logical thinker. But so many things happen. Like I, I didn't play football till I was in ninth grade. Like I didn't, uh, you know, I grew up, we were, you know, we were poor. And if, you know, and I have no issues of talking about, you know, my background or story. Um, I, I've spoke about it millions of times, but you know, my mom, she was an addict. You, know, like you see her today and you're just like, no way. But you know, she was an addict and, uh, there were times where, you know, I'd be home by myself three, four days at a time. There, there would be times where, you know, I, I was I lived in a crack house, and you know, FBI would you know storm the house. Like these things went on. Right. So I, I grew up very quick, and in that, I had to be able to have a certain independence about myself, but I also had to have this like faith again that I, I knew nothing about. Right. You knew something was there, but you didn't exactly know what it was. You just knew that you were being watched over and, and yeah. ultimately taken care of. Because I could have easily went left. I could have ganged or sold drugs or, or did the wrong thing. Or I could have gave up on my mom. And I just, it just never happened. Right. You know, it just never happened. I never, you know, didn't believe in my mom. I never, you know, I just, three, four, five years, I just had this, uh, you know, She's sick right now, and it'll it'll circle back around. Right. And so I never emotionally left her, even where there were times where, you know, she left me or, you know, I was with my dad and couldn't, she didn't have a phone or I couldn't get, you know, this is not Instagram, Facebook, you know what I mean? So right. uh, to not uh, be able to contact her sometimes as a kid, right. man, that's hard. And uh, in that, you know, I never, my grades never slipped. Uh, I never wasn't involved in extracurricular activities. Even when I found myself in a bad crowd, I knew enough not to take it too far. And uh, a lot of things happened throughout my life that just, it's so odd that this faith, uh, when I didn't understand it, like things just failed to me. And where I I felt like I was, there's many times where I felt lonely, many times where I felt in a corner because when my mom got to that place, you know, I ended up moving with my dad. I moved with my dad when I was 11 years old okay. because it was at that time where like, okay, you know, she was, she was in this world for about three, three years and it was time like, all right, I'm a little messed up right now. Like, I think you should go with your dad. You know what I mean? But I never met my dad. Like, and so I just kind of like popped up one day. My, my sister reached out to me at that time via letter and was like, I'm your sister. Didn't know anything about it. And, it was like the timing of it, uh, but my dad he was he wasn't a great guy at the time, and uh, he resented me a lot, and made sure um, that I was it was known that um, I, I was separate from everybody else. You were different. I kind of kind of outcasted you within yeah, the family. Yes, because gotcha. of his relationship with my mom. You know what I mean. So. Mm-hmm. So was your dad like remarried at that point in oh, time? Oh yeah. or yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah. he was remarried. So your sister was a, a half sister, half sister. So gotcha. I got a, a half sister and three half brothers. Okay, cool. And so um, at that time, you know, but my dad he was working for uh, General Motors, and uh, you know, he, you know, he was making good money thirty, forty dollars an hour, and uh, you know, I kind of moved to the suburbs, and uh, that was the first time that I was introduced to, like structured football 
sports, right? organ, like real organized sports. And uh, the first time I went to, you know, middle school and they had like, like breakfast that was hot on a plastic tray. To me, that was insanity. Right. Because I, you know, from where I came from. So at that time, you know, um, my dad and my mom going through these things that at, at one time being a kid to have faith through all that, to have my dad at the time that, you know, just didn't like me, you know, because right. I, I was the representation of his own wrongdoing. You know what I mean? Right. So that's one of the things that we've been really big on lately in, in our lives. And my, my wife helps teach a class with the ACPC. And uh, one of the things we're really discovering is, is other people's hurts are not our hurts. But sometimes we have a tendency to put them on ourselves yeah. and carry them as that. So your dad was likely hurting from his past mistakes. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, the brunt of that came out on you. But at the same time, it sounds kind of like God put you into a place where it was best for you at that moment. At so that even time, though it was rough, rough, you got introduced to football. Yes. You had hot meals coming in. Yeah. You know, you were you were taken care of yes. by your father who's in heaven. So no matter yeah. this is this is good stuff. I love it. Just to paint a picture for our listeners here, if you guys don't know who Antoine is, like this man is a, a mountain <laughs> of a man to say the least. I mean, we're what, probably six three, three hundred pounds yeah. roughly. Yeah. I mean, just a huge man. So I can't imagine as you go back to living with your dad and start playing structured football. You know, how big were you then? I mean, how old were you? I was actually pretty small. I, I, not small, because like as a little kid, I was a little chunkster. And then in like eighth, ninth grade, I started liking girls. So okay, let me let me slim up a little bit here. And uh, I naturally, like my freshman year of high school, I was a uh, hundred sixty-five pounds. About five foot ten, five foot eleven. In my senior year of high school, I was six one, three oh five. Wow. So I, I, I gained an, another human being throughout <laughs> high school. <laughs> Those hot meals were good to yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good stuff. So I you know, I worked you know, extremely hard. Um, I was that kid, seventh, eighth grade, that got up six o'clock in the morning and worked out at the gym, a little gym no bigger than this room, you know, every day. And I didn't even I wasn't even training for football. I was just my whole life I just wanted to be great. I, I just knew I just knew I was special. I, I knew there was just something that a lot of times, like I said, like this faith thing that's just embedded in my heart, embedded in my soul. Like even at that time when everything was not, you know, optically what it, you know, was supposed to look like, right. I just was working hard and uh, I was working towards something that I didn't know. And um, yeah, uh, that being with my dad introduced me to like, like a place where I can work out, organize sports, you know, understanding just a different life because I was around more white people. I was more, I was around more uh, money and, you know, a family structure. So I was just, you know, got even me being to this day, you know, I'm, I'm light skinned. Everybody thinks that I'm half and half. No, I just got two light parents. But the spectrum, like I literally lived in a crack house in the suburbs as a kid within a four year span. Right. You know what I mean? I went to one of the, you know, inner city of inner city schools or gangs, the things you've seen on TV. And then just like that, I was just in this, you know, where I you know, had chorus and band and, you know, all these like, right. it was different. It <laughs> no was different. idea. So, um, yeah, no, it just, uh, it, it's funny how things go and, and it puts you in a situation of uh, you are where you're supposed to be even when it doesn't look like or feel like um, you're in a great place. And that's that like faith. 
having faith that God's got you. That's, like the that's Holy Spirit's I, with you. That's where I got that. Not from reading, not from watching. That is where I developed my my faith and my relationship. Did you guys at that time, like with your dad, did you guys go to church on Sunday? Every, yeah, every Sunday. Every Sunday. So you're kind of getting a basis. You're getting a foundation for some of that stuff. But, not, but it was hard because I thought you were an evil person. Like I thought my dad was an evil person. So me see, me seeing my dad in church didn't do anything for me, and I was yeah. I was disengaged, to be honest with you. Right. I, I can understand that, too. My uh, good friend Danny, um, who's on the podcast with us last week, talks about that a lot. You see that a lot in the Catholic Church. Um, I've heard stories of people who dads were pastors, and they're pastoring to the church, you know, on Sunday morning, and they're everybody's best friend. And then the next day, they're getting beat by the same man, and they ultimately fall, you know, yeah. just turn away. And ultimately, that what well, it's down to we're all sinners. You know, we 1, talk about this all the time. All the pastors, all the everybody out there, like we all fall short. And uh, fortunately, God forgives us and, and wants us to work on ourselves. So. Fast forward a little bit, we're coming through high school, you're living with your dad, you end up getting into Erie Junior College, you play football there, mm-hmm. and then from there get drafted to Temple, is that no, right? No, I, I didn't get, I got recruited. Recruited? Recruited from Temple, and, and and I actually didn't get recruited by Temple, they recruited a, de, a defensive back, uh, Bobby Fillmore, and it just so happened, them, them watching that, his film, they seen me on tape, and was like, mm. who is that kid? And you know, offered me based off watching another kid. What's I love how you say it just so happened. It just it just makes me crack up right here. It just so happened. It's it's not by chance. Like it's uh I mean if you really look at the chances for this to all happen, you shake all this out, you know, there's a pretty slim chance. And and here you are sitting in front of us and you've had a you know career, you've made it to the next level. So you go to Temple based off of that tape. Mm-hmm. Uh tell us about college. Uh, college was different. Um, Temple University was, you know, uh, at the time, I want to say Philadelphia was probably the second or third largest city in the country. And uh, the diversity, the culture, you know, being from Buffalo, which there is a lot of diversity, but, you know, Philadelphia is a tough town. North Philadelphia is a tough town. And, uh, but it's a prestigious college, uh, not only uh, um, uh, academically, but, but, um, you know, from a sports background and uh, just that uh, it was different. And it was a it was fast paced and just the structure of D one was just light year speed. Like your classes, your practices, your workouts, and then you wanted a little bit of a, a you know a extracurricular you know, activities outside of you know your sports and your your school. And it was just, but I, I was I I handled it well, but the initial part of it was insane. Like the first three weeks, I got never in my life have I ever been pushed, never in my life like knocked down, never in my life like kind of blocked. And that first two or three weeks of like camp, I was literally just lit up because up till then I had done done everything. uh, uh, Just I'm just better than you are. But at that level, it became technique. It became strategy, which I knew nothing about. And so they're putting all these moves on me that I'm like, man, I, I, I know I'm better and I know I will figure this out. And when I figure it out, it's going to be trouble for everybody because <laughs> I'm still kind of pissed that I was the last person to get recruited. I sent my letter of intent in the temple at uh, 1259 or 1159 on the last signing date. And so um, it was uh, it was an eye opener for me. And uh, 
that year was just, you know, my first year, it, 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 it hit me fast. And uh, I was able to, like, really overcome. And my, my first game ever uh, was against Penn State, 112,000 people. Joe Paterno on the other sideline, you know, um, national television. Th- this was something that a kid from where I came from that really had no chance outside of, you know, this random junior college just popping up the year that I graduated high school, you know, um, I, I felt like I had come a long way, but there was something about it that, like, I don't know. I, I always knew I would be great, but football was never in my mind. Right. Football was just, I'm pretty good, and I'm going to be good at what I'm good at. It, it was never like a lot of these kids, just, oh, I'm going to NFL, NFL. Who wants to go to NFL? Everybody raise their hand. I, I just wanted to be great. It, it, like, it just so happened. Like, I was just this monster. Right. And and this was my platform. And then I had my own little trials and tribulations within that. So so you're you're at this big platform now. Up until this point, it's just sheer size, brute force that through all those other levels of playing, like you pretty much just yeah. smoked the competition. And now you're at this D1 school and practice and everything else is, is harder. Um, you're having to learn. You're having to strategize. You're having to really figure it out. Where did the Lord come into the play here? Is it still just kind of kind of faith, like you, you feel it and you believe, but you're not sure where to stand? Yeah, because when you're younger, because you still want to have fun. Right. You know, when I was in college, the, you know, I had fun. I had a lot of fun. Uh, and I was just trying to, and I felt like I had already overcome so much, and, and that faith and that structure had brought me this far, and I'm just like, oh, you know, it'll figure itself out, you know. Um and uh, just trying to learn myself and trying to get adjusted to a, a new city, a new team, um, you know, just a, a magnitude of people that was just, you know, it was 40,000 that went to the school, one of the largest commuter schools. And then Pennsylvania, Philadelphia area, there's LaSalle, there's Villanova, there's Drexel, there's St. Joe's, there's University of Penn. Like, this was like, you know, I'm, I'm a, kind of a small town kid and it, it was a lot going on. And so I was just trying to find myself um, as a student, as an athlete, and, and, and who I was as an individual. So, yeah, college was a it, – it was hard, it was fun, and then, yeah. So what, what would you say to any of our listeners out there that, you know, boys, girls, you know, coming out of high school, I know you do a lot of this with the PBR right now and your training stuff. We'll get to that here in a few minutes, but – you know, what do you say to these kids that are that are coming out of high school? And maybe they're going, maybe they're going D one, maybe they're not. You know, what what do you what do you want to prepare them for? Uh, be a professional and be self aware. Self aware. Be be conscious. Be organized. Yeah. Be a, be a, that's simple. Be a professional and be self aware. Because a lot of these, you know, it's uh, social media driven, uh, parent driven. And a lot of these kids, uh, they lose that that race before they even get to that decision because they've been told their whole life how great they are. And they see on Instagram that it, it, things make things look easy. But, you know, when I came out of high school, I was 6'1", 305. I ran a five flat. I bench pressed 375. I squatted almost 600 pounds. I was a D1 kid. I was just in a place where nobody really knew what that meant. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and now we're in a place that we're – you see it so much and it's glorified so much that you think it's more accessible than what it is. And it's not just about wanting it. It's about working to it. And I was working for that before I wanted it. And it happened. 
Right. A lot of kids just want it. And then they're not working for it necessarily either. They're going, they work, but they're, they're going through the stereotypical motions. Oh, I'm going to go to this camp. I'm going to find this personal trainer and I'm going to do that. Like that's all good and great. But at the end of the day, if you don't believe it within your heart, within yourself, like really truly believe it and got yourself to a place where you're not doing what everybody else is doing. That's the one thing. It's the same thing in Christ. It's the same thing in your faith. It's so hard to separate yourself. Right. Nobody wants to separate themselves. Nobody wants to stand alone in, in, in their own journey. You know, so a lot of these kids, especially today, because you want likes, you want follows, you want to be right. in a crowd. So self, instant gratification, instant gratification. Yep. And I don't care how many platforms that come out on, on a digital bait, like the real world is still out there. <laughs> Yep. No matter how many likes, follows, or whatever platform you're on. So um, just being self-aware and, and surrounding yourself with people that are not yes men. Because we look at yes men as people that are entertainers or athletes. But in this day and age, you know, yes men could be, you know, around a 16-year-old, a 12-year-old. And, and that does not help you moving forward. Right. So work hard and don't just buy into, you know, you want it and, and it's just going to happen for you. It's a, it's a lot of work. And, and what's cool is Antoine, you know, like you said, you didn't necessarily want it. You didn't know what you wanted. You were just working hard for greatness and God opened up some doors for you, took you into temple. I know your mom mentioned to me a friend of yours in college who she thought had this uh, impact on your life as follow as far as following Christ. Mm-hmm. Who was that individual? How, how did he come into play with that? Um, so again, um, it, it, uh, it just so happened, uh, <laughs> my, my second year, my, my coach, um, it was a D line coach and, uh, my first year, my, my first year at Temple did not like my D line coach. He was, you know, 160 pounds played D three, but his dad was somebody like high up in NCAA that did not mesh well with this individual. And, uh, my second year, just so happened, uh, D-line coach was Reuben Carter. Um, he was a defensive tackle for the Orange Crush for the Broncos. Oh, yeah. He was the one who revolutionized the 3-4 defense, that you could only have three. He was so dominant in the middle that, you know, um, you didn't have to have a second D-tackle. Yeah. You can have four linebackers. So um, that was the first – that was the first man I, I respected – because up okay. until that point, I had done so many things in my life that I felt like I did on my own or um, I, I, I didn't trust a lot of men. I didn't trust a lot of because when you don't have a relationship with your dad, it's, it's hard for you to, you know, have a relationship or trust factor with others. So up until that point, you know, 20 years old, I never respected a man. Um, he was a first man I, I, I respected. I listened to. And just who he was, he was a man of Christ. And it just, it just, I don't know, it made me want to be a better person. It made me want to um, work harder. Um, it, it made me want to be a professional. Um, because when he, I never listened to anybody, truth be told. There were people who were like, man, you're pretty good. And it's like weird. I I, I had this, I'm, I'm a confident guy. Like, right. I always have been. Even in my insecurities, I've, I've been a confident person. Well, you came through all that stuff and, and, and for all intents and purposes did it on your own. Yeah. Right? yeah. So, but this, this particular gentleman, 
when he said something to me, he was like, you remind me of one of the guys, because he had just came from, like, the Ravens. And he was like, you remind me of this D-tackle. And he was like, you know, you can play at that next level. And, I, you know, I just – that was the first time I ever thought about it. It was like, this, this dude's pretty legit. And if he's saying it, <laughs> right. then I, I must have something that I, I can that, – that could potentially happen. So um, there was always just these – and my mom prayed for this, and, and I don't even know how she prayed for it or knew it. She just prayed that there would be men of God in my life when, when I needed it most. And it, and it, lo and behold, every, you know, it just it always happened. It just right. always happened. He always put the right person or you in the right place at the right time. To, just to enough so I wouldn't go too far left. Right. Because I am, uh, at that time, you know, I was a habitual toe liner. Like, I would go right to the edge. I would never cross it, but I'd be right there all, right. At, at all times. So there was always this person in my life that just, you know, pulled me back from that line a little bit. That's how I was always crossing the line. <laughs> cross the line, cross the line. Um, yeah, so so through Temple, now you have uh, Reuben Carter, right, mm-hmm. is uh, a great mentor in your life. So he's with you your second year at Temple. Mm-hmm. Um, how long did you go through Temple? So three years. Um, he was my senior year, and uh, going like he came in that off season and going into my senior year, uh, we uh, going into camp. I felt great. I felt confident. I, you know, I, I had this D line coach that I, I didn't know I had longed for because I had kind of bullied all my coaches thus far, <laughs> and this one was just like I was excited. And uh, the first rep, the first practice, uh, the first step. Uh, I had broke my fifth metatarsal. I had fractured my foot, and I uh, ended up redshirting that year. And uh, I was pretty devastated, and uh, I ended up having to come back for a redshirt senior year. And at this time, he had taken a job as a head coach at uh, Florida A&M. And then my senior year, I got a guy by the name of uh, Phil Zacharias, who had also came from uh, uh, the Ravens. And uh, and I'm sorry, Ruben Carter, he came from the Jets. Phil Zacharias is the one who came from the Ravens. So now I got two NFL coaches in a row that came straight from the NFL. It was almost like destined. Right. Like Temple wasn't great at that time, but the support around me was like kind of insane. Yeah. And uh, he's same thing, you know, you, you got this ability and, you know, I just, uh, you know, I went with it. So um, ended up at Temple. Uh, I was, you know, I was all Big East and, uh, you know, top five pro. And like then all these agents started calling me and, you know, throwing me a few things here and there, taking me out to dinner. I was like, oh, man, this thing is for real. All right. All right. Let's 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 ride with this. And so, you know, I ended up picking a guy uh, that was Philadelphia based who's, uh, you know, a family to this day. Uh, he actually has sent me a few guys for our NFL draft prep. So. I literally talked to him last night. That's very rare in this business that you be, right. you stay friends. And uh, we actually went to the Super Bowl together two years ago. So, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, you know, I, I got to uh, play in the East West Shrine, one of the top collegiate all-star games. And um, it was just uh, even, uh, even in my training process, I was doing really well. And uh, a month before my pro day, uh, I literally crossed the line. I'd ran a four eight seven, which for my size wow. is it's fast. Yeah. As I stepped across the line, I had broke my other fifth metatarsal on my other foot. 
So, um, again, devastation. And, um, you know, but this is after the All-Star game, which was great that I was able to get that in. They were able to see me play and, and do well. And that's where, you know, the D-line coach from the Denver Broncos kind of see me and started talking to me. And uh, um, I uh, going into the draft, I, I had had a, a, a fracture in my foot. I went back to Temple to check it out. Nobody knew. I, I went into the Denver Broncos organization with them having no idea that at that time my foot was still broke. And at this time, you were still doing two-a-days. So this wasn't where we're at now. And so I probably went through the first month of my career with a broke foot, just, you know, making it happen. So all these little things, again, throughout my life, it's just like, like, you know, every, where, where you think there's adversity and when you think there's, you know, all these trials that you can't overcome, I just don't get to a place where I just – I don't know. I don't think I've ever given up in my life. Right. But that is not me. That is not my flesh. That has to be only one thing. You know what I mean? So this is how I develop. And then when you get to the league, oh, you're going to you're gonna find Jesus. It's too hard. It's too hard. The league is? It's too hard. Yeah, too Just much. Mentally, emotionally, physically, it's the, it's the biggest sport in the world. There's no, right. like, baseball, basketball. The, those things are cool, but NFL is king. And when you're young and you're getting that money, you're getting that exposure, you have that type of pressure. Like, imagine, I know you 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 own your own company, but just imagine you went to your job every day like I can get fired every day. But not now at 21 years old. Right. It's insanity. So some people, have, you know, I've heard it say before that, you know, the NFL basically took over God, right? Like they are God on Sundays to a lot of people. False, people. false idol. I can yeah. For sure. So I find that interesting that as you enter the league, you find Jesus more because the pressure is so great. So tell me a little bit, like as you went through that draft process, you know, you watch the movies, you, um, oh, that television show years ago, the Friday Night Lights, my wife and I uh, watched the heck out of that show. But you see like all the, you know, you're not supposed to take the bribes from that. Is that, I mean, is that all real? Is that really happening? Like where they're in college? Yeah, no. When you coming out of college, I guess I guess this is going like, to the pros. That, that was going into college, like but. college going to pros. Yeah, like that that pro. Oh yeah, I got tons of things. Tons I, of things. I, I things. got phones, sneakers, my rent paid for, limo rides to New York City from Philadelphia just to go to ESPN Zone to you know have meals, steak dinners. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. So that that those boosters are out there taking care of things, right? Well, the booster. I never got anything from Temple. I never got a handshake. I never, but that process from college from to college the league. To pros. But before I got to the league, that that was that like, oh wow, this this let me know that <laughs> oh these things are serious because I, I I go from eating hot pockets to fillet like every other day. Right. It, it, it was different, and they people they wanted wanted like you need sneakers, you need the I sure do, you know. But uh, yeah, nice. So so you end up. Uh, in Denver, mm-hmm. and what was this, at 06 that you went to Denver? 06 draft class. I came in with uh, Jay Cutler, Doomerville, Brandon Marshall, uh, Dominic Hickson, Chris Cooper, uh, Mike Bell. It was a pretty solid little class. Yeah, good team, too. Yeah, we, we missed the playoffs. That was the year that, uh, you know, Darren, you know, uh, rest in peace, Darren Williams was murdered uh, uh, New Year's Eve, and we, we missed the playoffs by getting beat by San Fran that particular year. And uh, I think if we would have won that game, maybe things 
could have been different, but yeah. Yeah. So how many years did you stay in Denver? Three years, three years. Three years, Aaron. Did you go elsewhere after that? Oh, yeah. Um, after that, I went to uh, Cincinnati, Kansas City. Um, I was with the Rams and the Carolina Panthers. Okay. And so ultimately, what brought you back here? Uh, my wife. Um I, when I had went to when I had went to uh, uh, when I went to Cincinnati, you know, I was so used to Denver. I met my wife in Denver, and she was from Pueblo, but I didn't know anything about Pueblo. I didn't know anything about Colorado Springs. I probably went to Springs twice while I was in Denver. So um, she was from here, and we would come here every now and again. But I still didn't know, you know, what Pueblo was. And when I left to Cincinnati, I didn't know if people were going to relocate or whatever. So it was just like I'm not going to stay in Highlands Ranch, and you know pay three grand a month for rent, you know? So, uh, we got a house down here and, you know, we just ultimately made this home. Right. And so now how, how long have you guys been back here? Uh, since 2009. Yeah. Okay. But I was still playing in a league, but you know, she lived here. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. And so now fast forward to today and you're working with the professional bull riders. Just so happens. Just so happens. Another <laughs> one of those by chance things that we know is orchestrated by God. But um, And you're essentially helping young athletes try to get to the level where you are. Is that correct? Uh, for sure. So, um, you know, I'm the executive director uh, at the PBR Sport Performance Center. And uh, it, it was brought about um, they were going to build this facility, this $13 million facility, 18,000 square feet. And, uh, you know, they needed somebody to run it. And at the time, 2017, I owned my own media company as well as Next Level Performance. And I was doing things, you know, around the country in, in, in that realm of performance. And uh, I don't know if they necessarily interviewed me, but, you know, they brought me in, kind of offered me the job and thought I'd be great. And I didn't know anything about PBR, never heard of professional bull riding, never knew it was a sport, um, but the type of person I am. When it became a possibility, I, I emerged myself in, you know, agrarian lifestyle, Western culture. I'd reached out to some of the greats, Charlie Sampson, Ty Murray, um, you know, Cody Lambert, Justin McBride, and, you know, some of the writers that were on the UTB. And just, you know, I just started asking tons of questions. I Googled a lot of things. I got a lot of literature from the PBR. And it just became so intriguing to me that I can be a part of something like kind of ushering in that narrative of performance to a sport that hasn't been <clears throat> that hasn't had the optics of being athletes and uh, I felt like I can be kind of the first person that you know could do an NFL draft like last week um, um, I, these things are cool to me like last week we had Raquel Pennington in there which is a number four UFC band and weight in the world we had Morgan Fox in there who just signed to the Panthers an eight million dollar deal we had four guys for our NFL draft prep in there at the same time. And we had three riders in there at the same time, working out at the same time. And to me, that is just the coolest thing ever. Completely different mediums of, of sport. It, anybody. I've always said, you know, it's kind of funny that, you know, the professional bull riders, right? And and it's, I think they kind of rank up there with uh, race car drivers. Was, well, those, those aren't athletes. But it's insane what they go through. I mean, it's... if. The fact that that's the cool part about it. See, we can we can educate us all right now. Uh, riders are the standard for core balance and forearm strength. There is, I don't care what sport you're playing. These guys are 145, 140 pounds. They're getting on an 1,800-pound animal. The the core strength that you have to have to, to wrap your legs around a bull and try to ride for eight seconds on one hand 
it's insanity. The athleticism that they already instilled, uh, already had. It's just the fact that if it's, it, it was a, a niche sport, a, a culture based, you know, traditional entity, but these guys are athletes. And if, when mm-hmm. you see them work out, these guys can do pull-ups all day, sit-ups all day, core all day. Their balance is insane. Like, yeah. it's uh, – no, it's a, I'm, I'm very blessed to even, you know, be in this position and have this opportunity. Yeah, no, incredible to have you here. And I know that's uh, some good people. Sean Gleason, known him for a lot of years, and Shauna Schmidt over there. Some some good people that we know. That PBR has been great for this community and excited to have you there doing what you're doing. Um, I think we're about – out of time here to wrap up today. I'd like to close in prayer if that works with Absolutely. you. And uh, we just appreciate you being here, Antoine. And hopefully this message reaches all of our listeners. So we'll just pray today, today Father God. We're just uh, thankful for Antoine and for this message, Lord God. We just pray that this can reach the listeners and that they can gather something from this that will help push them to that next level of where you want them to be, Lord. We know that nothing is by chance and that you can orchestrate all things And we just appreciate you, Lord God. We thank you today, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.